It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Palagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whatever you're listening, whatever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www dot sal's neighborhood pizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go all the way to saint simon's for an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app that's right you want to watch our show on fight tv you want to watch it on your cell phone you want to watch it on your tablet you want to watch it on any handheld device well then download our app it's for free Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the <clears throat> download the app for free button, and uh, you'll get it. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Hey, listen, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is a great Christmas gift. It fits right in the stocking, man. So uh, if you're looking to get a signed copy for that special person you want to give it to, visit our website, billycboxing.com. Click on the book and follow the directions. You're looking to get more than one copy? Hey, I'll hook you up with a better deal. Email me directly, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Another... uh, thing i wanted to bring to everyone's attention uh you uh had heard sal and i discuss uh over uh the last uh i'd say the last couple of months anyway uh about our new show uh it's a boxing series it's called billy c's boxing revisited and uh it's been official uh you will be able to watch uh the first uh uh episodes that we filmed uh beginning uh uh, at the end of this month, or I'm sorry, uh, beginning uh, the middle of next month, December. I already thought it was December, and through January. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and on the right-hand side, you'll see the television networks that uh, will be airing Billy C's Boxing Revisited uh, on the right-hand side. Click it for the uh, program times and days, uh, and look forward uh, to uh, a whole nother series of these uh, revisited that Sal and I are going to be doing. So uh, real, real excited about uh, that new series, and I think you guys are going to like uh, that uh, immensely. 
That's all I'm going to say. Immensely. Um, this week, programming note, we will not be doing a live show on Thursday. Uh, but uh, we should uh, and are scheduled to be here the rest of the week. Um, we got some fights to talk about. Uh, the return of so- Sergei Kovalev. Um, the return, in a sense, uh, Yoriakis Gamboa. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, also, uh, some other fights. But the big news today, uh, which does not shock me, one little, little, little bit, is uh, Floyd Mayweather coming back. Yeah, uh, He's going to be like the Freddy Krueger. Uh, that never dies, right? Uh, well, one more time, just one more time. I'm in great shape, you know, uh, because of his uh, uh, ego. Uh, he's uh, never going to uh, uh, want to go away until somebody just literally kicks his ass. But here's the thing. Floyd, doing what Floyd has done uh, for at least the last decade, cherry-picking and picking fighters uh, to fight that really don't stand a chance at him, even... Uh, as his skills are diminishing and his age is increasing. Uh, It's not going to happen. You're not going to see, you know, that typical sign of greatness where some uh, great fighter uh, fights a young fighter, (coughs) excuse me, to prove that he's still got it and wins or loses. Uh, Floyd uh, fighting one more time against who, you might ask? How about a rematch with Conor McGregor? I, I don't know who would even want to be interested in this, but joining me right now to get his thoughts, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor too. What's your thoughts, No, Sal? I, wa- I want to turn. Why don't you get your managerial contract back? Let's, let's go after that fight. <laughs> I, I mean, really, uh, who would give two craps about um, uh, this fight. I mean, I mean, listen, Sal. The truth of the matter is, is that we all thought it was a uh, uh, a scam. That, to begin with, that Conor McGregor, uh, who had never fought a professional fight, be allowed to fight Floyd as a real legitimate fight and get his fiftieth win. Well, now maybe, and we were just talking about this last week. Maybe uh, the fact that. Uh, we all knew that Floyd carried him for the first couple of rounds. Uh, maybe it was laying the foundation for a rematch. Um, what, and it would be his 51st fight, by the way. Um, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, give me your honest opinion thoughts. W- would you even want to see it? Do you think other fans are going to want to see it? Is, do you think it's as much of a joke as I do? What's your thoughts? It's an absolute joke. And let me tell you something. I... I am shocked that he would go that low to actually think fans aren't as smart or that smart enough to even choose to say, hey, you know, why do I want to watch this fight? I It has no significance, number one. Number two, Conor McGregor did not even make this fight uh, competitive. He Floyd did what, what Floyd usually does. He gives the first one, two, three rounds so he can assess and see what he's got to do. He carried Conor McGregor till the end. And uh, you know what? If you couldn't see that, and McGregor, McGregor couldn't deliver a punch from a Hawaiian punch. I mean, he was he was throwing arm punches, and and you know it, it wasn't even a real fight to begin with. You and I have always stood stood on that ground. And let me tell you something: what a mockery, what an insult, what a declaration on Mr. Mayweather's part if he thinks he can sell this second fight uh, rematch and. 
No way. I would. I. You know what, Bill? Uh, I, I don't even want to talk. About well, here, here's the joke. It, it's here, appalling. It really is. Well, here's the joke of it. Um, the MMA fans will buy it because oh, a lot will. of them. Hey, hey, Sal, listen. We did a, an event for this fight, and yeah. you know it was at your place, and uh, I, I was shocked at how many people showed up that were actually rooting for Conor McGregor. As a matter of fact, one of your guys was was uh, lost a ton of money in there. Yeah, uh, he did. And, and and the other one won it all. But but he was well, depressed. the one that told me he, he said Sal was going to win. I told him why, and he bet, he bet my I bet on Mayweather, and he cleaned up. <laughs> he cleaned up. But but the thing is, is that the other guy was actually depressed. Was was, he was uh, depressed. Dis- He's still depressed. Disappointed, you know. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that. You know, anybody that knows the sport of boxing, and I mean, put everything else aside. If you know the sport of boxing and what it takes to be a fighter and everything else in boxing, not MMA, boxing, nobody should have given Conor McGregor a shot in hell. And and the worst part about it was that the Nevada State Athletic Commission and that gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett, you remember him, you know, um, approving the fight. Uh, you know, uh, by a pro debut fighting a, a, a guy, arguably uh, one of uh, the top fighters of his generation in Floyd Mayweather. I, I mean, you know, uh, one more fight. And, and now maybe this makes uh, perfect sense why all of a sudden, uh, you know, Oscar De La Hoya was saying he would fight him. And I, I mean, it, it turns out, listen, if somebody's going to email me and tell me, oh, you know, it's the money, it's the money. Yeah, I get it. It's the money. But what? Uh, since when? When are we going to start? You know, uh, showing some respect for the sport of boxing. Because to me, Sal, this shows absolutely zero respect. Zero respect for the sport of boxing, especially on Floyd Mayweather's part, a guy who uh, you know has made buku dollars uh, from the sport of boxing. And I'm not criticizing him in terms of what he put into it because he certainly is always in good shape and if he wasn't in good shape that's really the reason uh they're saying uh, uh that he's coming back now because he's been really going all out in the gym he's been training like he's ready for a fight and uh, lots of rumors uh that the uh 51st fight will be a rematch with conor mcgregor i, I mean when is that man if you want to call him a man, because remember, he beats up kids and uh, women, and I say kids, uh, 19-year-old uh, security guards. Um, when is that guy, I don't even want to call him a man, when's that guy going to respect the sport of boxing? It's a good question, Bill. I'm sure he, he, he in his mind, he does respect the sport of boxing. You know, at our last event, which happened to be the uh, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, Bizarre Escapade, you know, I... I remember when we had down some of our friends, Ray Mercer, Marlon Starling, and Bobby Chez. And we had our beautiful event, which people are still talking about today. And we can't wait to do another one. Um, and I remember when we all had a chance, including myself and you, we got up to the microphone in front of a great audience at Sea Palms Resort. And uh, when Bobby Chez got up, Bobby was, was solemn and he was honest, brutally honest about his evolution, his introduction, and his becoming a fighter. And Bobby said some words that I'm sure a lot of people will remember today, including you and I, when he said that he wanted to be a champion. He wanted to do what 
was going to never be taken away from him. He wanted a world title. He wanted his name in forever ingrained in the, the annals of boxing history as a world champion. And I'll tell you what, his passion, his heart, and his belief in himself carried him, and his physical attributes carried him to that. And uh, But that was one of the drivers, because to fighters, being remembered as as that top-of-the-mountain world champion or giving it your all or doing what you got to do to challenge yourself and rise to the occasion and beat whoever's the baddest man on the planet at the time to fight. That's what the boxing tradition, that's what the boxing heritage, and that's what the boxing evolution has always given the fight fans. And this is not even in the same category. And I'm appalled by the whole idea, let alone the the, the likelihood that, yeah, you know what, it could come off because there, there's going to be gullible fans on all sides of the aisle, but mostly the MMA, they're going to want to see this. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's a shame. And, um, you know... I, you know, one of my pet peeves with with Mayweather has always been, um, you know, his unwillingness to to pass the baton, so to speak, uh, whenever somebody else starts getting uh, their name in the press. Uh, you know, he he wants to come out and, and do it. And and let's be all let's be one hundred percent fair. Um, you know, Oscar De La Hoya wanted Conor McGregor, Pat and Manny Pacquiao the other day. I think it was Friday. Uh, called out Conor McGregor. I mean. I, Listen, it, it's not just Floyd. The, the the thing about Floyd that bothers me is that Floyd says he's the best ever. That's the only part of it that separates Floyd from everyone else trying to make a quick hundred mil, which I'm not going to be. Listen, if I had an opportunity, I'd, I'd be lying, Sal, and I know you would be too. If you said that you had an opportunity to make a hundred million dollars as easy as you know taking a dump, because that's what uh, it's as easy as that for Floyd, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I would do it too. I, I'd be lying if I wouldn't, if I said I wouldn't. But the truth of the matter is, is you know, you get to a point where, you know, you have to respect the business you're in. A every other business does. You know, you don't see scientists or lawyers or or even uh, police officers, you know, really dissing their own uh, industry, um, uh, you know, as much as it seems that the fighters in the sport of boxing does. You know, and it's a shame. And, you know, it's not only Floyd, but Floyd, the guy who says he's the best ever, and you look at the last three fights he's had, and you say to yourself, if, if this goes through... Uh, you know, two against uh, McGregor, one against Andre Berto. You know, you say to yourself, you know, how could a guy claim he's the best ever when he's really not, pro in my opinion, hasn't proven it in, in the ring? He really hasn't. At least for the last decade, he hasn't. You know, I, I would be way more respectful of Floyd if he called out an Errol Spence or a Keith Thurman uh, or oh, somebody. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean even if yeah. he loses, even if he loses – he rises on my all-time great list. But uh, to, to fight McGregor again, this is suggesting that, you know, every fan that purchases a, that fight and every fan who had purchased the first one is a complete idiot because, you know, you're not going to get anything different. As a matter of fact, you're going to get a beatdown quicker in the second one because it's certainly not going to uh, justify a third. I, I, I don't know. I... Uh, well, I'm shocked that we're even talking about it. To tell you, I, the truth. you know what? I was just going to say, Bill, we're already in, into a 15-minute segment on this, and and it's amazing how uh, we are talking about it because that's what. Hey, now what I always say, Bill, 
not only does the media report news, but they stimulate and create it. And now we're, we're driving the news. And you know what? What a, what a nice slap in the face to Conor McGregor. You have all these, these old fighters that want to fight him before the payday because they know they can kick his butt. <laughs> and, and he has no right to even be in a boxing ring. Yeah, but, but, but here's <laughs> the thing. How do we blame Conor McGregor when he can no, turn around man, and make and make a hundred million, I, I mean, yeah. and 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 you I'm not gonna blame. I'm not gonna blame these no. guys for easy paydays. That's not my no. problem here. My problem here is that we're using the sport of boxing as the circus tent, and you know, here we are, especially this particular show, my show here with you. We are trying to 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 take boxing and bring it back or at least at least satisfy the the handful of diehard fans that still exist about the sport and its integrity and the seriousness of it etc etc we are trying to make the sport better and every time you take two steps forward i mean listen it would be hard to argue that 2017 uh, was one of the best years in in the last couple of decades in the sport of boxing why would we want to take that positivity where we're heading in the somewhat in the direction that we want it to and take these steps back with this. I mean, if it's being promoted as an exhibition, if it's being promoted as a WWE event, we're not having this conversation. But no. to promote it as a boxing match uh, about, a, a, you know, between a guy who you know, is arguably one of the best of his generation against a guy who would be stepping in the ring for the second time in a boxing ring. I, I just I just don't get it. I don't get how, you know, the powers that be can crap on the sport of boxing the way they appear to be doing, Sal. No, and that's the whole thing. It's the integrity of the game and the history of the game that, you know, we want to hold dear and want to hold on to and want to promote and want to stimulate. It's like, you know, like we often said, the old trainers that were in the gym, you know, every time uh, a fighter would thank them, say, hey, you know, that was great. Thanks for helping me with that. Thanks for doing this. They'd say, hey, just do me a favor. Repeat it. Show that to somebody one day. They knew what was happening at the sport of, with the sport of boxing. They knew that it had a tradition and a legacy to pass down to other fighters. They knew that this was the only way that it was going to be continued on a level that of the integrity and the, the, the eliteness of having to be the best at the best of the best in the, in the squared circle. And uh, it's a shame because this is a slap in the face to all the champions, all the years, all the hard work, and all the decades of fighters that have come before, during, and going to be afterwards. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's what's bothering me. Uh, about this, uh, you know, discussion, uh, and and it's and it's you know it, it is just that it's a discussion. It's you know the feelers yeah. are putting out. Uh, they're they're trying to you know uh, light the fuse, so to speak. And uh, you know you're going to get a, a lot of people from the MMA uh, world uh, wanting to do give it another shot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, Floyd's aged a bit. He slowed down a little more. I mean, all, all the uh, negative yeah. things that you could come up with. Uh, but like I said, you know. Floyd really has nothing left to prove to anybody. Um, if he wants to get a big payday, then why not do it without dragging 
the sport of boxing in the mire. Why not just go to, and if he truly wants a rematch to collect the money, which still will be a big money fight, do it as an exhibition. Don't destroy the integrity of the sport and especially the gains that the sport of pro boxing has made over this last year with even suggesting that a rematch uh, with uh, Conor McGregor takes place. Now, if they were talking about a rematch in the MMA uh, arena, that's a different yeah. animal. That's a different animal. But, you know, obviously uh, everything in Floyd's favor. Um, uh, you know, I, I just I, I think my issue, whether it happens or not, I really don't care. But my issue is the fact that he's 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 ruining the integrity of the sport or at least adding to the lack of integrity of the sport of boxing. And I think that's what bothers me the most, Sal. You know, and I will say this too. I, I know how it agitates you and it agitates myself as well. Maybe this is the marination process that he's trying to uh, throw on all of us. And here's the fight that really could evolve from this. As much as I swore the night of the fight that we saw Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather uh, fight. And I swore I would never pay for a rematch to watch that fight again because I still feel in my heart of hearts. Out of 100 times they fought, Mayweather will beat Manny Pacquiao 95 of those 100 times. Maybe they could springboard because nobody really had an interest in seeing it after all this time and Manny losing his last fight and everything else. Maybe they could turn it around and say, hey, you know what? I will fight Manny Pacquiao now. And we'll promote that. I would almost pay for that. Well, I would pay for that. And that would be good. Even though I do know the outcome, Floyd Mayweather will beat Manny Pacquiao. Uh, but at least we'll have a boxing arena. We'll have a boxing-sanctioned bout that we can live with. And uh, it would solve all the you know answers we're looking for. And leave it in MMA. You know what? If Floyd Mayweather gets in the ring again with, with uh, Conor McGregor, let Floyd Mayweather do it in the MMA arena, and uh, let them uh, let them do it there. And I'll tell you what, my my money will go on uh, Conor McGregor then. No doubt, and I and I'm with you. I mean, both Floyd and Manny are well past their prime. Neither should be fighting again. No. but I do think that at least if they fought each other, it would be somewhat uh, fair. And I do think that there's uh, plenty of people that would buy that fight. Do they make a yeah. hundred million each? Mm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe not at this stage, but yeah. If, if he's going to fight, I mean, that's a safer fight for him and a that's more. A real, it's it's a more realistic fight. I mean, safer. There's nothing safer than Floyd against no. McGregor. But I mean, uh, it's a safer fight for him. And I couldn't complain the way I no, am. No, I wouldn't. But anyway, hey, listen. Hold I that agree. thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Sergey Kovalev uh, returned to the ring this Saturday. Uh, and then there's some other stuff too, uh, especially in the WBA. You know, can the WBA sleep at night? I don't know. I don't know. If I was involved with them, I certainly couldn't. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, check out our website, BillyCBoxing.com. And on the right-hand side, you'll see uh, some banners for uh, some television networks that our new show, Billy C's Boxing Revisited, will be airing on. So get over to those sites and uh, do a search on uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited and check out the dates and times and locations and where you can watch it and all that stuff because uh, I think you guys are going to love uh, our new uh, series, which uh, uh, we're excited about. Um, I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, on Saturday, uh, HBO uh, broadcast The Return of Sergey Kovalev. Now, I had some hang-ups with this fight from the get-go. Number one, uh, Sergey Kovalev coming off of not one but two losses. Uh, many people believe that uh, uh, the fight with uh, the first fight with uh, uh, Andre Ward uh, was was a people using the word robbery. Uh, but then the second fight, uh, Ward clearly won, uh, causing Kovalev to quit. Uh, so my first hang-up was the fact that the WBO. <laughs> Uh, let this fight uh, be for a world title, uh, even though one fighter was coming off of back-to-back -back losses. Be as it may, it was against the same guy, but still. The second thing was Shabransky. Um, no disrespect to Shabransky. I know he went into this fight with only one loss, uh, but this guy clearly uh, wasn't uh, uh, in a position to fight Sergey Kovalev. And uh, while we're at it, Kovalev improved the 31 wins, two losses, and a draw when he uh, knocked out uh, Shabransky, uh it was at least waved off by referee Harvey Dock in the second round, two minutes and 36 seconds. Um, I, I, I can't say I was impressed. I can't say I wasn't impressed. I, I just can't help, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, but I can't help looking at Kovalev and seeing a quitter. And I, I've lost a lot of respect for him. Um, what's your thoughts on the performance and the fight? Well, you, you were hinting about uh, how you and I felt that he did quit in the last uh, Andre Ward fight, and he did. He got hit in the belly. He was looking for the referee to stop. He didn't say, he didn't object to the stoppage. He didn't uh, uh, act like he wanted he, to, to continue. He was looking for a way out early, and in my opinion. Uh, and then yesterday, all of a sudden, he was referring to the controversial stoppage that he felt was unjust because he wanted to continue that fight. I got I got into that, but no, I I still have questions about Kovalev and his his heart and his desire. Uh, did he destroy Jabransky? Yes, he did. Uh, it was world class versus you know up and rising maybe, but uh, uh, it was whole different different playing field and uh, he did his traditional. Jab, 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 right through with a right hand and hurt him early, as we know. The round, the, the fight never made it past the second round. Um, good for Sergey, and uh, I'm glad he did. But uh, I still have my doubts about him. Uh, he, I lost a lot of respect for him with that Andre Ward fight, and uh, going to have to do an awful lot to get my uh, my attention back. You know, Andre Ward is a boxer. I I, I think he's. You know, at this point, uh, I hate to say it, but I, I, I'm not going to say it. But, but the truth of the matter is, is Kovalev, um, if you stand in front of him and you try to trade with him, 
chances are he's going to come out on top. And that's exactly what Shabransky did. Um, anybody that has any kind of movement or even tried to work the body. You know, one of the things that Shabransky had said leading up to this fight was that he uh, thinks that uh, Kovalev's weak to the body and was going to work the body. I didn't see... I didn't see, maybe he threw one or two body shots. I didn't see any land flush. So um, I was uh, I was disappointed in his showing. Uh, Kovalev, after the fight, said, uh, I'm back. Uh, he says, uh, I did it and worked very hard to get to the champion shot status again. My brain, my mentality, my conditioning, my body, body, I'm back. It's my goal to be the best in this division. I'm here. I love this sport. I love to make great fights. This is what makes boxing interesting. We can make good fights for the boxing fans, uh, and let's make history. Let's find out who's the best. Chickenson is on my list. This is very good for boxing. Let's do it. Um, quite honestly, it's the only fight uh, that I think could sell. Uh, but then again, Adonis Stevenson, who uh, uh, Kovalev refers to ch as Chickenson, he doesn't fight anybody. He is a Chickenson, and he's a fraud uh, at this point. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the uh, commentators were building up the light heavyweight division for being so oh, they were. so so tough. Uh, yeah. You know, you see Bivol, um, he's uh, a guy that uh, could arguably be the best in the division, and he's not even that great. I mean, you know, he he's possesses punching power. I haven't seen much else from him. Um, this guy that Shabransky, that uh, fought Kovalev, went the distance with him, as I recall. Uh, so I, I don't know what to think of the light heavyweight division. Um, I, I wasn't impressed with Shabransky. So how can I be impressed with the win by Kovalev? And I'm equally as disappointed with the WBO for sanctioning this fight as a world title. Um, it, it goes to show you that all you need is a checkbook that actually has money in it. And you could be a title holder, Sal. Yes, but it also says this. There's too many belts. Too many belts. If there was one coveted belt, do you think Kovalev would have gotten uh, a, a ch chance at the world championship? If there was one belt? No, not after two defeats. Nobody would want to see that. No. So uh, there's too many belts out there. No, I mean, and all due respect, you know, you have uh, Andre Ward collected the belts, and he retires. Yes, he and he retires. So what yes. should have happened, what should have happened with all of the sanctioning bodies, they should have put number one, and 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 it's already split and shattered anyway. But but just for argument's sake, all of the sanctioning bodies should put their number one against their number two for the vacated belt. End of story. Bingo. End of story. End of story. Bill. I mean, then there's End no the, yeah, and, and then there's no argument. You know, no I, argument, to, no to, how does no how does Kovalev? If you're going to tell me, and I don't even look. You know what? To be honest, I got to be a hundred percent honest. I don't even look at the rankings by, by the sanctioning bodies anymore because they're so uh, so much of a joke. And, and I'm going to get to that uh, in a minute uh, because uh, uh, the WPA, uh, I don't know how they sleep at night uh, with, the, with what they call championship fights and everything else. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I mean, Kovalev very well could have been ranked number one by the WBO, which is a joke in itself. I mean, how do you rank a guy number one when he lost back-to-back -back fights, regardless of who he lost them to. You have to drop a certain number of spots for losing, and I don't care who you fight. I mean, do you agree with that? I agree with you 100%. You know what? If you have consecutive losses, you, know, you should probably drop uh, one or two rings of the ladder. And uh, I, uh, I, I, don't, I still can't conceive 
how, why, where, when they made uh, Kovalev. Well, I know why, I know how, and I know when <laughs> they made Kovalev the number one ranked contender to, to buy for a world championship title belt. Right, right. But uh, anyway, I mean, did Kovalev show you anything that makes you interested to see him again? No, I mean, you know what? All I could say is uh, that was, I thought, when I was watching the fight, that that's the Kovalev I expected to see come out against Andre Ward. Uh, now, not taken away from Andre Ward. I mean, it's, it, it, it depends on your dance partner. And obviously, Kovalev had more respect for Andre Ward than he did for Jabransky. Uh, and he knew that Jabransky was a kind of a come back, come right at you fighter, and you don't have to look for him. You throw the left, you throw the right, and you're going to hit him. And, uh, and so he did. So he made an early night and, uh, you know, maybe answered some questions. And, but, you know, I still have a lot more questions that I, I'd like to see. Uh, no. Uh, it's, it, it is what it is, Bill. I uh, was just uh, surprised to see, but he did a good job. He got, uh, he got the fight over with, and uh, kudos to him. He, he's back in the mix, and uh, he's a world title holder. So we'll see what the lightweight division does now. Well, the co-main event, uh, which featured uh, Sullivan Barrera, um, yeah. you know, he won a uh, unanimous decision over Felix Valera, which was pretty hard to follow. You know, every time they said Barrera <laughs> Valera, I'm like, who are they talking about? You know, it's Valera's mother, it's Barrera's father. You know, it's like whatever. Um, uh, but it was kind of an interesting fight. Uh, I, I I thought that Valera. Um, did a good job uh, against Barrera. And I thought that Barrera showed that he's really not as special. At the end of the day, Barrera won a unanimous decision. And I give kudos to for Valera because I would have uh, uh, expected him to, uh, uh, to, 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 it looked like he was out of gas, and I, and I could have seen him saying, you know, uh, let me just hit him below the belt one more time and Ortega uh, disqualifying him. But he ended up going the distance, not that he thought he was going to win, but he, I think he wanted to prove that he could go to distance, and he did. Uh, Barrera improved to 21-1 with 14 knockouts. Valera drops to 15-2. and two. The judges scored at 98-88, 97-90, 97-89, which... According to uh, the powers that be, Sullivan Barrera now is the mandatory for Kovalev, which just drags it out because the only other fighter, if if Kovalev really wants to say that he's the the best in the division, the only other fighter I'd want to see him fight is Bivol at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd like to see the Bivol fight. Uh, uh, not taken away from Barrera. I love his story. I love uh, that he is a, a champion with heart or a fighter with heart. Um but uh, I don't see him getting past Kovalev because of Kovalev's power and ability to hit him. Who, Bivol or Barrera? No, Barrera. Barrera. Yeah. I don't see Barrera getting past Kovalev. Yeah, I, 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 you know, Barrera's been down, and, you know, although he, he doesn't seem there. to get really hurt, yeah, he gets back up. Um, I, I, you know, but, but then again, Barrera is a Cuban fighter, and you would have to assume can box a little bit, and that's been the Achilles' heel for uh, for Sergey Kovalev. Hold that thought. I got one more fight I want to be vocal about. Uh, and that's coming <laughs> I can up. I uh, imagine. That's coming up. Well, no, I got a couple more, but on this card. 
Uh, that's coming up uh, in two, so don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And, um, you know, we were just talking about the HBO uh, broadcast of uh, Kovalev and uh, um, the uh, co-main event, which was Sullivan Barrera uh, fighting for the uh, uh, mandatory WBO title shot, which is now the title that Kovalev holds. Uh, Bivol would be a unification of sorts, so uh, there's no uh, mandatory for uh, for Bivol, uh, unlike what's being said in the chat room right now. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is I want to focus on uh, the fight that opened up the HBO broadcast, and that's my guy. And I, and I, and I still say this, even though he's a shell of himself, but my guy, Yuriokas Gamboa, uh, fought uh, former uh, uh, WBA uh, super featherweight champ uh, uh, Jason Sosha. And, you know, if you watch that fight with the sound on uh, and you listen to my man Harold Letterman's scorecard and you listen to the uh, commentating, uh, you would have thought that uh, Gamboa would, had no chance of, of winning this fight. And their new... Uh, you know, apparatus that that showed a motion yeah. detector and who's moving forward. And I loved Howard Howard uh, Harold Letterman saying, "Well, if one was forty four percent, the other's fourteen percent. Where's the rest? Where, where, who's moving around the rest of the time?" Which was which was true. Uh, but but here's the thing, uh, Gamboa, uh, I thought was landing um, more punches from a boxing point of view. I, and now, and I just want to make one statement, Sal, before I, I throw it up to you. At the end of the fight, Gamboa won the fight, 95-93, 96-92, 94-94, 96-92, which was a crazy score. Um, but, but, but the reason why it was crazy was because of two situations that took place in the fight. One, referee Ron Lipton uh, ruled a knockdown when, I mean, his gloves did touch, but his own feet tangled him up. But what really bothered me was the point that Ron took away in the final round for holding. Now, I just want to say this. I thought Ron Lipton did a fantastic job refereeing that fight. He stayed out of the camera view. He wasn't uh, trying to uh, be the star of the fight, which we see way too often uh, today in the sport. But I totally disagree with my man, Ron, uh, about the point deduction, and I'll tell you why. First of all, he was uh, very adamant and warning Gamboa about holding. But Gamboa wasn't holding the way fighters hold when you want to warn them. He was, that was his form of defense. He would clinch. If I was Ron, I would have said, fight your way out. You know, you only warn a fighter and you break a fighter when they're both holding each other and there is no fighting out of the, the clinch. 
which was used to be termed infighting. At the end of the fight, the final round, even after Gamboa was not even holding as much, they both were kind of just wrapping each other's arms around. Ron took a point away. I thought that that was a huge mistake, and I really disagreed with that, and I can't wait to hear Larry's thoughts on it. Aside from that, the performance that Ron did, I thought, was was a good one, uh, you know, comparing him to the other referees. But in my mind, Gamboa won the fight, uh, and um, I, I think that the lack of defense from Jason Sosha, uh, not his offense, but his lack of defense is what cost him the fight. Sal, what was your thoughts on that fight and that point deduction at the end that I'm uh, uh, kind of uptight over? Yeah, I, I, I could see your point with the point deduction. I, even if you gave that round to uh, or a draw to Gamboa, it's a 10-9 round easy uh, with the point taken away. Um, I thought it was uh, more in Sosa's favor uh, on some levels. Uh, I thought that he had done a good job closing the fight in the later round. Um, I think that uh, Gamboa did give a good performance, uh, and there was some infighting here and there. Uh, overall, it was a decent fight. Um, you saw the heart of a Sosa from Jersey, New Jersey, trying to trying to really uh, get a big win over a big name. And uh, Gamboa, I, I think, uh, did a good job as well. But uh, I, I gave the fight to Sosa. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, all it was a close I, fight. It was a close fight. All close I could fight. say, all I could say, is try and watch the fight without the sound, yeah. and see if you score it the same way. You know, um, you know what I mean. I, you know, yeah. uh, that, you that's all. That, that's all. Because they were very, you know, the commentators and the way they present it is like it's almost Teddy Atlas esque. You know, where they're right and you're wrong, you know, and if you're not seeing what they're seeing, you don't know what you're looking at, you know, and uh, that's that's my problem. That's my problem with some of the comments. Yes, Sal, you have a comment to make. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just you just lit a bulb in my head. I, you know, I usually like to listen to what Max Kellerman has to say. But during the Barrera and whatever, Valera and Barrera fight. I I could not help. I was amused, entertained, but I also couldn't couldn't stand listening to, to Max Kellerman anymore. When he was talking about the holding and everything else and, and how he was he was uh, trying to make reference of the referee uh, interfering with the the better product, as he would call a fight, the better product. You get a better product uh, if you get an early warning about holding so the fighters will know going forward. And and Floyd Jones was was countering what he had to say, but Max had to throw it in every time to try and win the point. But Roy was just throwing it. Hey man, it holds a hold, and uh, it was just comical. I found it comical that Max Kellerman continually had to insert his theory, his definition, and his ideas on the theory. Of, on, on holding and what it was about. I don't know if you caught that. But oh, it, of course. It and, but but Roy was, you know, I don't normally agree with him. But no, Roy he, was right. Roy he was, was right. right. He, he, he Max was, was trying to take something that was black and white and make it multicolored, and Roy said, hey, Max, uh, no, this is what's happening. And he couldn't do it. And he said, and that was the whole point, was that he said, hey, listen, it's part of the defensive 
um, you know, game plan. He says you go in and you tie your opponent up, and I agree with that. There's a difference between doing that and holding uh, extensively, you know. And, and the truth of the matter is, as long as there's one free hand, you should let the fighters fight out. I like the job Ron Lipton did by taking command and and warning. But I thought that, that he started nitpicking. I thought he started taking it personal that uh, Gamboa wasn't listening to him. And Ron, of all people, should remember that Gamboa doesn't even understand English. He was a actually part of our show when, uh, when we did the interview with Gamboa when he first escaped here to the U.S. through an interpreter. I'm pretty sure Ron was uh, involved with that particular show. So, I mean, he knows that uh, th this guy has not uh does not understand he very well may not have understood although his own corner said stop holding you're going to get a point deducted uh I, I just thought that it came at the wrong time round 10 of a close fight is not the time to do the the call and for for that matter i personally don't think that the the knockdown that was ruled a knockdown even though both of his gloves ended up hitting the canvas should have been a knockdown i think that he his own and and I do agree with some of the commentating when they said that Gamboa is imbalanced. He doesn't have a, a solid balance, and I agree with that. And and I think that his athletic ability throughout the amateurs and then carried into the pros, they didn't. They nobody ever taught him defense. This this was a guy whose defense was his offense. Now he's thirty five years old. He's slowing down a bit. He's got a, a flash knockdown suspect chin. He's been down a hundred million times. Uh, but gets up. I mean, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, that's the point. Uh, but uh, but anyway, I, it, it wasn't a bad fight. I know a lot of people think Jason Sosha should have won that fight. Uh, but uh, but I thought Gamboa outboxed him, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can uh, uh, continue with with that. But um, the joke of the weekend, in my opinion, was the WBA once again. You mentioned the word joke, and the WBA is not far behind it or precedes the word joke. And this time, it was for their WBA. And they have the, they say this with a straight face. The WBA regular heavyweight title, um, which was sad. Emmanuel Char, who has fought some tough names, but most of those tough names are part of his four losses, uh, won a 12-round unanimous decision over Alexander Ustinov. Uh, who really, uh, his two losses uh, uh, came at the hands of, of good opposition uh, in Germany. And it, I don't know if you saw the clip. I only watched clips of the fight. It looked like it was a real snooze fest. Both guys didn't look like they were in top physical condition. But Manuel Char is now the WBA regular heavyweight champion. He won this fight uh, by scores of 115-111, 116-111, and 115-112. Now, here's the best part, Sal. He has to negotiate with Frezzaquendo, who hasn't stepped in the ring for over three years, uh, to fight for the title. Uh, and a deal has to be made uh, before December 22nd. Otherwise, the same fight between Char and, and uh, Frezzaquendo... Uh, will go to purse bid where the purse is split 50-50. Um, I don't know what to think of this. I really don't. What's your thoughts? Well, again, we we go back to the uh, concept of uh, what do we do with a fighter that's been inactive or 
out of the ring for a year or more and how how do you welcome him back do you give him a title fight do you give him a big significant fight or should he have to work his way up and 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 reestablish his own worth and value and i'm i'm more for the uh uh the latter not the former and uh you know that's 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 the way it should be but uh, it is what it is it's a wild world of boxing yeah it's it's a shame uh that uh that the wba does this i mean there was question about uh the fact if uh uh if it was even going to be sanctioned for a title fight it happened at the last minute uh and they threw that stipulation over to frezzaquendo's team because he had won a lawsuit uh about fighting for the title going all the way back to when he lost uh to shigaev uh in russia uh so uh, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's a payback, it's, that's all. It's, it's, pretty, it's the IOU. It's a pretty comical situation. But uh, one other fight I wanted to mention, and in my opinion, really shows the lack of value uh, for the 49-0, and or now I should say 50-0 and uh, record. Um, we've talked about this a lot uh, on this show, that 49-0 and was a significant record for the heavyweight division only. Because there had been no heavyweight fighter to ever amass 49 wins without a single defeat. And no one, you know, uh, made it to 49 and 0 and then lost afterwards. You know, uh, they had lost before reaching 49 and 0. The closest guy to uh, reach 49 and 0 uh, was Larry Holmes. He was 48 and 0 when he lost to uh, Michael Spinks. Uh, Rocky uh, Marciano uh, retired at 49-0 and as world heavyweight champion, and that's one of those records um, that uh, was etched in stone. But Floyd Mayweather managed to smokescreen uh, a new generation to believe that nobody else ever made it to 49-0, and and therefore he tied Marciano's record, and then with his win over Conor McGregor, broke the record and now sits at 50-0. and when any true boxing fan knows that there was many, many fighters who who surpassed forty nine and zero, aside from the heavyweight division, Julio Cesar Chavez uh, is one, and there's, there's many others. Um, but this weekend, uh, in the minimum weight or strawweight division, uh, the champion for the WBC, uh, Wang Hang uh, Miothin. Uh, improved to 49-0 and with 17 knockouts when he won a 12-round decision over Tatsua Fukuhara, who drops to 19-6 and in Thailand. The way the judges scored that fight, 116-112, 118-110, 117-113. Wang Heng is now 49-0, uh, one fight away from tying Floyd's. 50 and 0 retired record. I, I am I suggesting that Wang Hang is equal to Floyd in in talent. Uh, will he be equal to Floyd in the large scope of things? No, he won't. But what I think this shows, and which I hope it proves to a lot of young fans, is that 49 and 0 only meant something in the heavyweight division. Go back and search the heavyweights who have ever fought. And see who made it to 49 and 0. Only one guy. And see who made it to 38 
and O. I mean, uh, 48 and O. Only one guy. So that's where uh, the significance of 49 and O is. Wang Hang will probably uh, end his career because of the division he's in, fighting uh, well beyond 50 and O. Uh, and if you're going to tell me that the guy wasn't that good, and uh, Fukuhara, who's 19 and six with six draws, you can only fight who's available. And unfortunately, in that weight class, there's not too many guys available. Sal, what's your thoughts? You just hit it on the head. You hit all the great points, and you explained and, and rationalized and saw, defined clearly uh, what the significant meaning behind each of these records, so-called records. Uh, Is exactly what what is the uh, uh, true answer? You only could dance with the dancers that are out there in division at the time you are dancing. So, uh, and we know that means fighting. And uh, so, you can't criticize for a fighter being the best in his division at the time he's fighting. Uh, you know, and fighting on all comers that are in that division. So I, I think it's a great underlying statement that this guy is 49 and 0 right now, and he'll, he'll 40. How much is he? 48 or 49? 49 now. 49 and 0. Yeah, it's great. And you know what? You compare him to Mayweather. That's about it with the record. Exactly. Uh, and he'll serve, <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's you're, you're right. That's who you compare <laughs> him with. And you can't uh, and you can't compare Mayweather to Marciano because really for, no. the 49 and 0. Listen, Mayweather's Mayweather. Mayweather accomplished what he did. Um, let's leave the record out of it. Uh, anyway, we got uh, some. Uh, I got a bunch of emails to read. I'm running out of time um, because uh, we got Dax Khan scheduled to come up uh, and chat with us for a little bit uh, in about uh, nine minutes. But in the NFL, the Falcons beat the Bucks 34-20. The Bengals beat the Browns 30-16. to The Titans beat the Colts 20-16. to uh, the Bills over the Chiefs, 16-10. The Patriots, they beat the Dolphins, 35-17. The Panthers beat the Jets. Uh, once again, the Jets uh, have the ability to snatch victory from their own hands. Uh, a gutless team uh, coached by a gutless coach who uh, I don't know who's calling the plays. I don't know who's preparing this team. They, they are uh, the un, most undisciplined team in the NFL but the Panthers come back to snuff out the Jets' playoff hopes, 35-27. The Eagles beat the Bears 31-3. Seahawks over the 49ers 24-13. The Raiders beat the Broncos 21-14. The Rams and the uh, Saints, what, a, what an exciting game that was. 26-20, the Rams come out on top. Cardinals topped the Jaguars 27-24. And the Steelers beat the Packers 31-28. In the uh, NBA, uh, the Heat beat the Bulls 100-93. The Timberwolves beat the Suns 119-108. And my Nets finally get a W. They beat the Grizzlies 98-88. In uh, the National Hockey League, the Hurricanes topped the Predators in a shootout 4-3. The Rangers beat the Canucks in a shootout, same score, 4-3. And the Oilers topped the Bruins 4-2. I got uh, an email, a couple of them from uh, my man Mitch. Uh, he's talking about Frank D'Alba. He says, Frank's a decent fighter. He was the main event uh, on a card uh, last week in PA. He didn't fight because of the weigh-in. His opponent... Ivan Najira came in 15 pounds overweight. He says, Sal, did you ever enter a fight knowing you might not make the weight? And if not, do you think the guy should come to the table a few days before and try to renegotiate? 
Because if a guy is 15 pounds over, that means he absolutely knew he wasn't going to make weight. To have the audacity to still try and weigh in, uh, is, uh, to try to weigh in, is ridiculous. Should he be suspended for not mod- notifying someone sooner? What's your thoughts on all of that, Sal? Yeah, I agree. You know what? Out of like I said, and I hate to be redundant, but the bottom line is, out of every wrestling match I ever had from 14 years of age, from every fight, amateur to professional, no matter what, if there was a weight class limit, I was sure I never failed to make weight. And neither should any paid professional. And to be so disrespectful and blatant about, hey, you're going to show up 15 pounds overweight, I mean, that, that's a slap in the face, no pun intended. I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. He should be fine. He should be suspended. And if you're signing a contract to make a way to do something, hey, push away from the table, uh, drink a little less fluids, make the weight, and then, then do what you got to do. But that's a slap in the face, Bill. This guy should be fine, suspended, whatever it is. 15 pounds overweight, and he knew this going in a week or two before? No, it's, it's, it's inexcusable. And it's a lack of discipline, and uh, it should not be allowed or tolerated. I think I think Mitch is right. I think that you know you know you guys not going to make it. Do you reach out uh, ahead of time and and try to renegotiate to to save the fight? Um, and should he be suspended? I, you know, I, I think you know maybe maybe if fighters started to face a potential suspension because they don't make weight i think that's something to uh to 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 consider and that's something i want to ask larry uh about right now if a fighter doesn't make weight should they uh be subject uh uh to uh uh a suspension you know um i think that that's a good idea because you know um this would uh I think it would encourage fighters to to not only make weight but fight maybe in the right weight class. Right you know, there, there's yeah. a lot of fighters that are trying to make weight that have every intention of making weight, but their bodies just can't do it. I think that's a a really good question uh, for uh, for that. But uh, uh, good uh, good email from Chip. Good email. Um, he's uh, also got uh, uh, a couple of uh, emails on something I want to talk about. I'm just glancing here. Um, so, so uh, um, my man, Mitch, I, you have two other emails here that we're going to read tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to uh, another one from Johnston. Uh, he says, hey, Billy and Sally, I recently read an article that got me thinking about what would be the ultimate boxing card. Uh, so if you were a promoter in possession of a reliable time machine, what bouts would you put together? Maybe Alex uh, could put one together for us. Uh, it's my birthday today, so just amuse me. Well, happy birthday to uh, uh, my man Johnston. I don't know if he's in the chat room. Happy I didn't birthday. see him. Uh, but he says, here's my dream fights. He says, one, Dempsey versus Rocky Marciano, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. This would be a brutal fight um, with uh, 87 knockouts from 103 wins between the two of them. Jimmy Wilde against Roman Gonzalez in flyweight. I think the Welshman would have too much for Chocolito, but it would be fun while it lasted. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson versus Sugar Ray Leonard at welterweight. So much uh, sugar would make us diabetes, (laughs) diabetics, uh, cloning the phrase from Jake LaMotta. Uh, What a fight this would be. I still think Robinson 
uh, would come through uh, in a world-class matchup. Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez at lightweight. This That's would be a true test of wills, and I couldn't see a knockout yeah. or even a knockdown. Just two of boxing's most intelligent fighters at work. And Ali versus Mike Tyson. This would be the Ali that destroyed Cleveland Williams against a young Tyson uh, that cut everyone to shreds. Puncher versus boxer, strength versus skill. Uh, what what do you guys think? What would be would you wow. add or change? I, I tell you, one fight that I would definitely want to see uh, once and for all would be Floyd Mayweather against Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, you know, Floyd claims that he's the best ever. I think that Sugar Ray Robinson is clearly the best ever. Um, what's your thoughts? Is there one that you would like to see? Well, you you just hit on the head. Well, I would love to see. I think uh, I think Sugar Ray Robinson would knock out Floyd Mayweather. But I also feel that uh, the fight that I would like to see at 135 pounds at the lightweight division, I would love to have seen the Roberto Duran, Julio Cesar Chavez uh, fight. That would have been a great fight, number one. Number two, I still stand by my word, and I've always professed this. I think that Roberto Duran, pound for pound, as a lightweight only, was one of the greatest lightweights to ever step in the ring. I agree. As a lightweight... I would be, As a lightweight. Yeah, that would be I'd a great him fight. Against anybody. I, I'd say he'll knock out Julio Cesar Chavez. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, Roberto Duran was a vicious... An uh, animal. He uh, had a nasty streak. We talk about the nasty streak. Duran wanted to destroy you. Especially at lightweight. I agree yeah. with you. Uh, you know, just to, sh just to put it in perspective, if you did have a time machine... I think fighters, you know, people today, young people today, think that Floyd Mayweather is the best ever. I, listen, I could name a bunch of fighters right now that would all kick the crap out of Floyd Mayweather, knocking him out, as a matter of fact. Sugar Ray Robinson and Sugar Ray Leonard would Ray have Leonard. beaten him. Both Tommy Floyd Hearns Mayweather. would have beaten Tommy. him. You know, I, I mean, you know, uh, come on. You know, uh, if he ever fought at middleweight, you know, a haggler would have destroyed him. Uh, I even think Roberto Duran would have beaten, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather. So Floyd Mayweather doesn't even doesn't even uh, fit into the all-time yeah. great dream matchups. And while you're at it, you know, I, I mean, there's there's other fighters uh, too. You know, Joe Gans uh, is a, is another one you can you can mix in there uh, that uh, probably would have uh, beaten him uh, senseless. What what's that? What what? Hello, it's his name. I turned up. How about I would think Carlos Parlo, Carlos Palomino might even give Mayweather a good fight. Oh uh, yeah. Well, hey, listen. What about Henry Armstrong? Henry Armstrong. Henry Armstrong would destroy Mayweather. Right. He'd be know. a punching machine, moving all over the place, and he'd be nonstop, relentless. He would be what I thought Pacquiao was going to be. You know what? Henry Armstrong would be be destroyed. Well, one other one I'd like to add a dream matchup would have been uh, uh, Marvin Hagler. Uh, or even uh, Carlos Monzon, uh, or even Triple G uh, going up against Harry Greb. Harry Greb oh, was a, a great middleweight. Or even uh, Harry Greb against Stanley Ketchell, another great one. Or, or a Jack Johnson against an Ali. Or a Jack Johnson against uh, Mike Tyson. You know, I mean, these are, I, I mean, listen, if we had like, uh, if, if we had like what Mitch said, a dream time machine. Those are the fights I would uh, I would want to see, and and the, the the funny thing is is that um, we actually have a new segment coming on uh, in uh, in 2018. I can't believe it's going to be 2018. Um, that uh, is going to take dream matchups. We're going to give you our breakdowns, how we thought they would go, and then Alex will be presenting them. 
with title bouts. So uh, look forward to that for next year. But listen, we got to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us, and we'll get his thoughts uh, on uh, what he thought about the uh, Kovalev fight. Uh, so don't go anywhere. So we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. And uh, our last uh, emails got uh, a lot of uh, discussion going on in not only our official chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com, but uh, on Facebook because we do simulcast uh, uh, on Facebook. And uh, some people have mentioned some great uh, fighters, Joe Gans. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that that's wait till we have our new segment where we're actually going to be uh it's going to be myself and and sal and uh dax and alex will all be taking these dream matchups uh and breaking them down and giving you each of our predictions and it will culminate to um alex papali putting these two guys in uh in, in title bout and giving us a round by round description of what the computer says uh would take place so that's going to be a new segment that we introduce uh in 2018 so uh, uh be looking for that and speaking of dax joining us right now with his thoughts on the hbo card from saturday night uh is dax Khan. good morning dax good morning gentlemen how are you today good morning dax i'm doing good i'm doing well uh thank you good. very much uh kovalev what was your thoughts? <laughs> or, well, wait, yeah. do you want to wait? Do you want to start off with the other two fights first? No, start off with Kovalev because um, <laughs> you're probably not going to like what I have to say about another fight. But anyway, um, you know, with all the troubles he had, Shabransky was a perfect opponent for him. Um, not an elite fighter, but a dangerous fighter. He's aggressive. He has power. Um, with uh, the mindset of Kovalev and the way that uh, the ward losses bothered him, you know, the question was, how was he going to react if uh, Shabransky came after him? You know, the... The fact that Kovalev lost by one point across the board in that first fight, and he was in the fight until that low blow and uh, the body shots. Tony Weeks stopped it in the second one. You know, uh, he goes out, he's drinking, he has problems with uh, John David Jackson. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody doubted he was going to beat Shabransky. It was just more or less on how was he going to react if uh, Shabransky came after him. Uh, remember, in that first round, Shabransky did uh, land a nice solid uh, punch that actually drove Kovalev back three or four steps, and Kovalev answered that well. Uh, you know, um, now that he got his personal life together, he brought in uh, Abra Thurston uh, Pulov on, uh, you know, who trains uh, uh, Bakram uh, Murazaliev, uh, who's uh, on uh, promoted by uh, Crusher Promotions. He was also on the undercard there. Uh, he scored a uh, TKO over Carlos Gallivan. You know, again, you know, it only went two rounds, so there's not much we can tell. But, you know, the good thing is that uh, Kovalev, he's made some personal adjustments, not only to his uh, professional life, but his personal life, uh, whether or not. You know, he's fully uh, back to what they were billing as the crusher era. We won't know until he gets a, a better opponent. But as of right now, that was a it was a very good comeback fight, you know, for him and uh, get a little bit of buzz going on. Because remember, prior to that, 
leading up to this, even the day before, there was not a lot of buzz. Nobody's really even talking about the fight. No, I agree with that. And, and you know, I also agree with your choice of words. Um, I think that it was a great comeback fight. My hang-up with the fight was that it was for a world title, and, and, and I just can't see the justification with that. The thing is, is that I also think that Kovalev looked like Kovalev when he fights a guy who stands in front of him, who's willing to exchange with him. Um, Shabransky, even though he hit the canvas, what, 97 times, uh, you know, kept still standing in front of him, you know, and that's what Kovalev did. When he fought a guy like Andre Ward, who used a little bit of movement and stuff like that, uh, he had trouble. So I don't know if that will ever be fixed. So, I mean, I guess you can make the statement that as long as you put the right guy in front of Kovalev, he looks good. If you put a guy that, you know, has some boxing skill uh, in terms of movement and hitting, being able to hit on the move, he's going to have trouble. But I guess time will tell. And that's exactly what I stated. You know, it was only two rounds. We can't tell. But uh, one of the things that um, is important, which kind of uh, tells you a lot, was the post-fight. You know, usually in those post-fight press conferences previously, uh, Kovalev has been, um, sometimes he's been uh, vulgar, um, cocky, arrogant. But, you know, he seemed kind of humble in this fight. Um, he said, you know, he'd like to fight the other champions in the division, unify. He felt that uh, the division needs one champion to find out who's the best. But, you know, he didn't uh, mention Adonis Stevenson. He he, uh, he didn't insult anybody else. You know, he, he was very down to earth. And, you know, sometimes a loss or in this case, two losses is something that, you know, a fighter needs to get their head cleared. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, he was a little bit high on himself, and, uh, you know, that showed in those fights against Andre Ward. So, you know, maybe this was the best thing that ever happened to Sergey Kovalev. Hey, Sal, sometimes if a fighter that's had uh, um, a trainer for a long time then all of a sudden changes trainers, which I, I've always been someone who thought that, um, you know, the trainer, especially with an experienced fighter, is that familiar voice, and, and I've always questioned why a fighter would make a change. But in Kovalev's case, and based on what Dax has just said about his demeanor and, and more positivity from him, do you think that the, the new trainer has given him that, has given him a fresh outlook, so to speak? And yeah, and, and speaking you know, in favor of, of Kovalev and his new uh, introduction or his comeback and his whole demeanor. I think that has a lot to do with a new trainer. It's like a new era for Kovalev on that level. And, you know, maybe uh, I read that Kovalev was tired of seeing his old trainer on his phone constantly texting. Well, guess what? I wouldn't have waited that long if I saw my trainer. I said, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to train me, not go on your cell phone and do Facebook, whatever you got to do. So, however it got out of control, yeah, if this new trainer in the camp, or Kovalev's camp, can rein him in, could give him the attention, give him the kind of uh, training outline and regiment and corrected the uh, moves and behavior and, and, and fighting skills, then I think it's great marriage. It's a great thing to see, and maybe this is a new era for, for Kovalev. And you know what, Kovalev, he showed that he's back on a big level. He's got his power. That never vanishes. And I would love to see him get all the belts. And then, you know what I would love even more? Next year, let Andre Ward announce his comeback and come back for Kovalev 3. Hey, hey, Dax, you know, it goes to show you that uh, Sal is still using a flip phone and doesn't understand that everyone everyone uses their phone for more than just texting and Facebook and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm not, I'm not going to use. I'm not going to use that. Great belt. 
No. Is, you know, um, if you're unhappy going to your camp and you're dreading that, how can you get mentally and physically prepared? Yeah. I agree. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. You know, as, as far as uh, Turnsim uh, Polotov, you know, this is a guy that Kovalev picked because they spent a lot of time together up in Big Bear. Um, you know, this wasn't a, uh, a last-minute thing. You know, they had uh, became associated prior to. Then they decided to give this a go. Um, you know, as uh, Turnsim Polotov, you know, he's a very qualified uh, trainer, you know. So this isn't a guy that, despite people not knowing him, that, you know, doesn't have a uh, rich background in, in this sport so if it doesn't work out here then you know the blame would have to go on Kovalev we've seen that happen in the past where a lot of guys go through a lot of trainers you know can't always be the trainer no and that and that's my point my point is is that you know you 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 agree with a trainer the the the, the question is this you know does a fighter constantly learn new things does a fighter uh, you know get his base and then you know the trainer fine-tune it etc etc and you know when you start to you know and i agree with with you 100 percent. if you're dread going to camp because you're not getting along or you're not you know connecting or clicking with your trainer i agree 100 percent. you got to make a change there's no question about that um but that really wasn't the case until he lost and it seemed like he was looking for an excuse for anyone other than the guy he saw looking back at him in a mirror. And that's where my hang-up was because John David Jackson, his demeanor is low-key, quiet, try to focus on certain things. I, I don't know. I guess time will tell. And unfortunately, not that I agree with, with Sal wanting to see Andre Ward back. <laughs> But that would be the only telltale, you know, if he gets back that in the ring with Andre Ward and he beats maybe, him. You know? Maybe he wasn't a bad trainer. Just maybe, you know what, they just didn't mesh. That's all. Some guys just don't mesh. That's and true. As, terms, as far as what you stated in uh, guys training themselves or to get a uh, trainer to fine-tune, you know, only guys, once they reach a certain degree, like a Bernard Hopkins, you know, he was pretty much his own trainer towards the end. He just uh, Somebody just helped him get into shape. You know, you don't have to teach him anything. And we don't have guys like Emmanuel Stewart around who can take somebody who's already accomplished a world champion and no matter what they've done in the past, you can actually tweak them and make them better and make their style, you know, uh, adapt to their physical their physical body, whether or not it's their chin or whether or not it's uh, their speed or whichever the case is. We just don't have trainers like that in the sport anymore. No, we don't. We don't have. We have rah rah men. We don't have teachers, and we've talked about that many many times. And it's it is a shame. Um, as far as the uh, co-main event, Sullivan Barrera, I, I thought that was an entertaining fight. Um, I, I don't know if it proved anything. I mean, I, what did you see in that fight, Dax? Well, first of all, what I've seen is an opportunity for Sullivan Barrera, should he have won, which he did, to either fight the winner of Kovalev and Chabransky or to fight Dmitry Bivol is what I've seen and what I know. Yeah. But... Uh, especially since Sullivan Barrera is the number one ranked light heavyweight by the WBA. But anyway, as um, you know, it almost ended quick. I actually thought that uh, Valera was going to upset uh, Barrera in that first round. Remember, he dropped him there. As you stated earlier, Barrera has been down a lot of times. He wasn't really hurt. But, you know, I think maybe he might have underestimated Valera. Uh, Valera did go the distance with Dimitri Bivol, only because he's awkward. He just doesn't have that uh, amateur pedigree to uh, make him a refined fighter. Um, as far as uh, those low blows, uh, when you watch your fight again, Again, notice a lot of those times that was initiating caused by Sullivan Barrera pushing down on the head of Valera. Uh, Sullivan Barrera, you know, after that first round knockdown, was a little punch shy, and I think that kind of uh, hindered his performance. As far as uh, Valera, you know, he's a guy that unless he gets with a trainer outside the Dominican Republic, he's not going to get any better. Uh, Barrera, and um, he's also, I've noticed in past fights, he will fight either up or 
competition. So it would be interesting to see what he does next. Um, I think him and Kovalev would kind of fit that mold, as we were speaking about with Andre Ward, because of uh, Barrera being, you know, a boxer and able to frustrate a Kovalev. As far as uh, Bivol, Bivol would outbox Barrera, and uh, Bivol would uh, definitely knock Barrera out. So I think uh, the WBO opportunity with Kovalev, not only is that uh, the best choice for Barrera, but it's probably the most lucrative for uh, main events as a whole. So... I'd expect we'd see that one first. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we're, I think we're going to see that they're both main event fighters. It's much easier for Kathy Duva to make that fight. And um, you know the only the only thing I, I see with Barrera is he has been down uh, several times. He can box and he does get back up, obviously. But would he be able to get up if he uh, you know gets a, a solid punch landed on him from Kovalev? Or would he be smart in that fight and try to try to move and, and do similar to what uh, Andre did to uh, to avoid uh, the crusher? You know, Kova Barrera does something that Andre Ward does. Um, not that he's the same quality of fighter, but you know he, he knows how to smother and he knows how to frustrate opponents. And uh, we've seen Kovalev; he's a better uh, boxer than give it credit for it. But he doesn't like being uh, smothered. He doesn't like that frustration on the inside. So you know, it's a very good chance that he could just you know totally uh, frustrate uh, Kovalev. And I think he probably would fight smarter, avoid the power. He would go in there. He he would smother the punches of Kovalev. And I could see Kovalev possibly uh, losing a uh, decision because Barrera, even though he's not a hard puncher, he's a physically strong fighter. Who, uh, Barrera? Yes. Yeah, he, he's he's bigger. Uh, I, you know, the whole Bivol thing, I mean, I want to see Bivol fight, but I, I haven't really seen his boxing ability. I've seen his punching power, but the only isn't one of the only fights he went to distance in was against Valera? Yes, and um, and, and again, you know, because Valera, he's an awkward guy, and Valera, did, I mean, uh, Bibble did much like uh, Barrera did, where he just didn't really know much about him, and um, he spent a lot of time doing what Barrera did, you know, looking at these awkward movements and, and um, these attempted uh, dancing and footwork and, and things like that of, uh, of Valera. So you know, it was just he's the type of guy at minimum will make you look bad, and plus he does have genuine world class power, in my opinion. I've seen other fights of his before, so you know, he's a guy that. You know, you don't want to rush in on. But then again, you know, he's also a guy that uh, will make you look bad. And his chin is pretty sturdy, too. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I obviously gather that you disagreed with the outcome of the uh, Gamboa uh, social fight. So give us your thoughts on that one. I gave Gamboa rounds one, four, and five. That's it. Sosa rounds 2, 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. 7 and 10 were 10, 8 rounds. Um, Sosa's another one of those guys, you know, with that limited, uh, really no amateur background. Um, you know, but his will and his heart gets him through. Uh, did he outbox Gamboa? Of course not, but he outfought Gamboa. You know, uh, he pressured Gamboa. Gamboa started getting sloppy in like the second or third round. By the sixth round, he was gassed. Yeah, he was landing uh, uh, one punches. Uh, you know, single shots, but uh, Sosa was uh, landing those ripping shots to the body, and uh, a lot of times we know that, uh, you know, they don't impress the judges. Um, even if uh, somebody wanted to score it for uh, Gamboa, in no way could you have seen it, uh, 96, uh, 92, and um, I think it was 90. 97, 96, 93, or something like that. You know, it was it was almost uh, 95, 93, 96, 92. I don't know what fight they were watching. Even HBO 
Uh, one of the few times I took it off mute, I'm listening to those guys on there saying uh, they pretty much had Sosa winning the fight, and then all of a sudden, once those scores were announced, they changed their tune. And it's, oh, I could see how people would have scored it for Gamboa. You know, it's, it's stop with that. You know, Gamboa lost that fight. What they did was they Gamboa is a name that's marketable enough to feed to another upcoming prospect because a win over him looks better on paper than a win over Jason Sosa, and a loss to Gamboa looks better on paper than a loss to Jason Sosa. So that's why Gamboa won that fight. But Gamboa, the next time he steps up against somebody who has a little bit of better boxing ability and um, maybe not even a lot more power, Gamboa's going to get knocked out. He's done. He's finished. You know, uh, I, you know, he he was uh, he, he was good in his day. You know, he was uh, his window was short. And uh, Terence Crawford pretty much uh, he uh, uh, Terence Crawford ruined uh, Yuri Argus Gamboa for good. Well, I mean, in that fight, he Gamboa had to move up to. He's fighting out of his own weight class. You know, of I mean, course he is. Know, he, Bill, he, he, here he we is, go. HBO. He is. He is. He is fighting out of his weight class. And I was pretty surprised to hear that you undid the mute button because if you listened to them, I could see where you know everything was leaning towards Sosha. But if you didn't, when I listened to it with no sound, and I know you like to watch frame by frame by frame of all the fights, um, I I didn't see. Sosha, with the exception of being the aggressor moving forward in their new, their new fangled forward, uh, they have a machine, a, a software now that 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 tracks the forward uh, yeah, motion. Yeah, I don't know what a, that is. Oh uh, my God, I would love to see that, Matt. You know the way the way Sal calls Alex's magic computer machine that he punches it. You know more more commonly more commonly known as title bout championship game, but whatever. You know, um, I, I think that's what uh, uh, the guys at HBO did. You know, but uh, I, I don't know, man. I uh, you know, yeah, I, I I admit I'm a I'm a Gamboa fan, and I don't see that same uh, um, fighter that that we saw when he first hit the scene. But I also see a guy that's forced to to fight outside of his weight class too. I I really yeah, do. You know, you also sat right there next to me, Bill, with some obnoxious idiot yelling in our re in our ear for uh, twelve uh, ten rounds when Gamboa was pretty much uh, did everything he could uh, just to beat a Highland Williams Jr. So. Yeah, and I was also ringside when he quit, you know. So I mean, uh, you know, that, that too. That'll but, never uh, forget. Yeah, but uh, um, but. As Ron Lipton, you know, uh, just to address that real quick, um, you know, they criticized Ron Lipton uh, for that point deduction in round ten. I had somebody who even argued with me, saying, "Well, he knew how much time was left in a round. Why would he do that?" Number one, no, you don't realize how much left is in that round, even if you're watching a fight um, live and you're there, unless you're paying attention or above, or uh, especially if you're covering a fight where you're up on the apron, you don't realize there's only uh, a minute or 30 seconds left and especially inside that ring but Ron Lipton not only did he let a few headbutts go um, but you know he had warned Uriarchus Gamboa a lot of times he had no choice but to sit there and uh, take that point away or else it was kind of going to undermine his authority you know we see a lot of referees who just go in there and they continuously um, uh, warn guys but they never do take the point and then they're criticized for that you know it really didn't matter either way at the end of the score at the end of the, uh, the fight uh, we know how the scores went but you know Ron Lipton was sort of in a position where you know, he had to take that point away. If there was going to be criticism, the only criticism I could possibly give him is, you know what, you should have did that in the ninth round. Exactly. Listen, Ron did it, in my opinion, Ron did a great job. He stayed out of the camera shot. He didn't interfere. For the most part, he let the guys fight. And it's what I, and, and he took command of the fight. Is and These are all the things I want a referee to do. My hangup was that I, I didn't think that the holding was as extensive as he made it. Then when Gamboa wasn't responding to him, 
I think he took it more personal, and then well, that's he, it. That's it. You're told something. You're told to break. You break. You don't wait three, four, five, six seconds. You let that go a couple times. You don't continuously do that. Now you're undermining the authority of the referee. But he didn't say break all the other times. When he said break in the first several rounds, the two fighters broke. You know, then he warned them for holding. And, you know, he warned him again and again, and then he took the point away. I get it. I understand. But I think that in that last round, you know, and I agree with you, he should have taken the point away prior to the last round. That last round, and quite honestly, Sosha was holding two from the eighth round on. They were both holding. Unlike the other fight with uh, Ortega, who kept saying, I'm going to DQ you for the low blows, and he didn't. You know, so, yeah, it's a catch-22. I think, uh, for the most part, you know, Harvey Dock, for his two rounds, did a great job. Ron did a great job. I just disagree with the point deduction in the final round. That's it. That's my only opinion uh, about that. And that knockdown, even though a punch did get thrown, it was more of an off-balance thing, but... uh, but anyway. well, well, that there again, that that reinforces what I'm saying. You know, if you're going down, you're off balance, and all this other, you know, something. That that's another reason why I'm saying to myself, you know what, you're you just you weren't yourself in there. You're, you're falling down, you're slipping, and you're not looking sensational afterwards. You're, uh, it's not like he was a Prince Nassim Hamed where he gets knocked down, he gets up, and he was just dominating the rest of the round. Hey, you Dax, know, uh, definitely you see the uh, the age and and the ring uh, um, wear and tear on Gamboa has uh, caught up with him. Uh, Sosa was uh, the stronger, more effective, aggressive fighter even if he didn't uh, land the flashier punches. Dax, we got 30 seconds for you, and we got to go. My question to you, I got to know what your thoughts are on Manuel Char being now the regular WBA World Heavyweight Champion over his win over uh, uh, Alexander Ustinov, and now, and we've talked about this many times, fights a guy who hasn't stepped foot in a ring for over three years in uh, Fresno it's the WBA, you know. <laughs> what more can you say? Uh, this is probably just a way to finally um, get Fred Kendall. Um, speaking of the WBA, uh, later on this week, Bill, um, I sent you an email about that. You know, we're going to talk about them, um, hopefully, and uh, speak about you know the events uh, that led to the death of uh, 24-year-old Francisco Ruiz on the undercard of a WBA world title fight uh, when he faced uh, Ricardo uh, Cortez in San Salvador, and how an inept commission, a major sanctioning body, which is the WBA, along with an inexperienced corner, was uh, solely responsible for the death of this kid. Um, so much to the point that WBC president uh, uh, holds. Um, Mauricio Suleiman, who's guilty of a lot of things himself, actually publicly stated, you know, it's shameless to those who sanction such a fight and they're uh, going to have to live forever with the blood on their hands. And that is true. They're, you know, 100% responsible for the death of this kid. And when we get down into seeing that, you know, people can understand exactly what happened and just inside this year, how they allowed this kid to fight from bantamweight to super middleweight inside four fights. And just a month ago, he was fighting two divisions lower and then they sanctioned him to be in this fight. Crazy stuff, Dax. I appreciate your... uh... Uh, thoughts on the fights, and we'll look forward to you uh, later in the week, my man. All right, everybody, enjoy your Thank day. You. That's uh, Dax Khan. You can check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we got um, some que- we we got our, our trivia question, but we also got uh, an update on Triple G. So uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be back uh, in about two minutes. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. 
That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, uh, we're in our holiday schedule. Yeah, the holidays are um, are right here among us right now. It's it's in this room. It's right here. It's the holidays. You know, but uh, the truth of the matter is we're in our, we are in our holiday schedule right now. So make sure you check uh, with the show to find out what days we're here and what days we're not. This week, we will not be here on Thursday, but we will be here the rest of the week. And we'll keep you posted uh, each week when uh, the show starts. And then, obviously, after the holidays and the first of the year, we'll be introducing some new segments, and uh, we'll be back uh, 100%. But um, right now, uh, I, I want to remind everybody to make sure they tune in, uh, not only tomorrow, uh, for when we uh, talk about uh, uh, some issues about, uh, give you an update on Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and, and uh, uh, Joseph Parker, uh, as well as uh, some uh, really intriguing uh, points that my man Mitch made in an email that I glanced through and decided to read tomorrow. Uh, don't forget Wednesday, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard will join us. And this week's blast from the past that Alex Papali will present uh, as per request by one of you guys, one of uses, uh, is uh, Diego Corrales. And, you know, it's surprising, Sal, that Diego Corrales, who to me seems like a fighter that was just fighting uh, a couple of years ago, uh, was being requested uh, as a blast from the past. I mean, man, does time fly or what? It does. I don't have to tell you that. You know that as, as much as I do. Well, you're way older than me, Sal. Come on, man. Stop that. No, guy. I'm not. I'm not yeah. way. <laughs> hey, listen. Two days. Uh, b- before a few days. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, um, you yeah, still got me thinking. Hey, I, I will tell you this. You still got me really thinking about the breakfast pizza. I just want you to, it just, I, I almost tried to make one. But and I'm going to serve it to you. Now. Yeah. You're going to love it. You're gonna, hey, you know, I, and I have my idea. Next Thanksgiving, you know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to make a turkey pizza. I'm going to make a turkey meat, and I'm going to put it on the cheese. I'm going to use my famous garlic butter olive oil sauce instead of the tomato turkey, sauce. Turkey put and the pizza. Cheese. You know, I'm not going to tell my recipe. Yeah, don't here. tell your recipe. And not only turkey and pizza and chicken and pizza, it just doesn't sound right for, to me. But for some reason, what the I, eggs do. The eggs do. That's because I, hey, what Italian doesn't like peppers <laughs> and eggs? Hey, what are you having for dinner? Peppers and hey, eggs. Oh, yeah, all right. You know. hey, right. You know, sausage, but, pepper, and eggs. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And onions. That's good too. Exactly. You might as well have a sandwich, except just hold the bread. But anyway, I, I just wanted to make uh, give everybody an update on Triple G over the, over the last week. Um, Triple G uh, visited uh, Mexico, and we all know that uh, Triple G fought uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez, and it was uh, Triple G against uh, you know Mexico, and and Triple G. I mean, uh, Alvarez has said you know lots of things. Uh, us Mexicans don't f around. All this stuff, right? Well. I found it uh, pretty interesting, and, uh, uh, well, I'll just tell you this. Triple G and his team, uh, specifically Abel Sanchez and his promoter, Tom Loeffler, traveled to uh, Mexico, um, and they were uh, at the uh, NFL football game uh, between uh, uh, the Raiders and uh, the the Patriots. And that game uh, had 100,000 people at Azteca Stadium. Wow. And they introduced Triple G, and Triple G uh, was treated as a hero. 
uh, to the Mexicans wow. uh, in uh, wow. uh, at the stadium. As a matter of fact, they a hundred thousand fans gave him a standing ovation, Sal, and were chanting wow. "Triple G, Triple G." Um, if that doesn't show you uh, that the the uh, Mexican boxing fans, whether they're Mexican Mexicans or American Mexicans, um, don't love and respect the sport of boxing, I don't know what else does. To me, that must have been a chilling experience. As a matter of fact, both uh, Abel Sanchez and Tom Loeffler uh, joined uh, Triple G in saying that it was one of the most chilling and uh, rewarding experiences they ever witnessed. Um, and I just wanted to mention that because it goes to show you that uh, the Mexican boxing fans, they respect the sport of boxing more than just who's fighting. And and to me, that means more than, than anything else. What, what's your quick thoughts on that? I'm smiling because I, I think that is it's a class act. It's great. And, uh, you know, to, to feel that and to, to, to be a part of that and to stimulate that kind of response from true boxing fans. Um, I mean, especially in, in the home country of your last opponent, uh, especially after a controversial decision. You know, you could take it however you want it, but as I suggest, uh, as you suggested, it was out of respect for the sport of boxing and for the respect of the warrior that Triple G resembles when he steps into the ring. True. Good point. Um, we have a trivia question that's uh, alive and well. And um, if you're the first one to get this correctly by emailing me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same simulation game that Alex Papali uses for our Blast from the Past and the same game that Sal Rocky Senecola refers to as his magic boxing box or whatever the hell you do. Um, but uh, machine. machine, right. Um, so, so if you get this question right, make sure you're the first one to email. You have to email me because that's how we distinguish the winners. We go by the timestamp. Uh, and uh, here's the question. Uh, name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by a stoppage. Now, this stoppage could have been a TKO or a knockout. Uh, so uh, that's a little hint for you. Name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by stoppage. Not only do I want the name of the guy, but I want the number of fights because that in itself is uh, pretty and uh, pretty impressive. So if you're the first one to email me the boxer's name and how many fights... He had uh, from the most uh, fights from the start of his career before being uh, stopped, either by knockout or TKO. Uh, email me, Billy at Tuckin Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. You will win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. It's a tough one. And, uh, you know, I, this is actually, I, I give everybody a hint, this is actually a re tread of a question uh so if you want to go back and play uh you know the shows from the last uh, 14 years to try and find the answer uh go ahead because you will find it uh among those uh of many many shows we've done sal so uh um i'm uh, looking forward to that but uh anyway on this day november 27th in boxing history 
A lot of stuff happened. In 1989, Robert Daniels wins a 12-round decision over Dwight Muhammad Kwai to win the vacant WBA World Cruiserweight title. And that took place in France. On this day in 1987, Donnie Lalandi knocks out Eddie Davis in the second round to win the vacant WBC World Light Heavyweight title. And that took place in Trinidad. That would be the same title that Sugar Ray Leonard would eventually win. On this day in 2004, Marco Antonio Barrera wins a 12-round decision over Eric Morales to win the WBC World Junior Lightweight title. It took place in Vegas. And we're always talking about having the right dance partner to uh, catapult you into all-time greatness. Well, Marco Antonio Barrera and uh, Eric Morales certainly uh we're perfect dance partners for each other because uh uh we got to see uh, some epic fights between those two uh on this day in 1983 peano uh, puntarat uh wins a 12 round decision over rafael orno uh orno orino uh to win the wbc world junior bantamweight title and that took place in thailand on this day in 1935, I mentioned his name earlier, Henry Armstrong wins a 10-round decision over Midget Wolgast in their bout in Oakland, California. Um, Hammer and Hank improved to 40 wins, 8 losses, and 7 draws on this day in 1935. And finally, uh, on this day, November 27th in 1964, Eder uh, Joffrey knocks out Bernardo uh, Caraballo uh, in the seventh round to retain his WBC and WBA World Bantamweight titles, and that took place in Colombia. Uh, Caraballo loses for the first time in his career, dropping to 39 wins, one loss, and one draw. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. We have a busy show scheduled for you tomorrow. Uh, so uh, before we go, I'll leave you with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. <laughs>